So I've been trying to do an episode about this subject for a long time. I today, Kathy and my friend Parisa are my guests, and we talk about um, living with people who have anxiety. The three of us are pretty balanced. Um, not that people with anxiety are not balanced, but we don't have anxiety issues, and we have children and or spouses that do. And I wanted to talk to other people who um, have that as well because I think I think the the people with anxiety get a great voice. And the people who have to uh, help them manage their anxiety maybe don't get one as often. And um, I don't know. I, I thought it was a really great conversation. I thought it was very honest and open about what it's like to live with someone who has, has anxiety. And Parisa recommended a book that we talk about. It's called Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents by Reed Wilson and Lynn Lyons. I'm going to read that book because it sounded extremely helpful for her. I have not read it, so I can't vouch for it myself. but. Parisa said it was very helpful in her um, journey with her kids with anxiety. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope you find it helpful. Please feel free to email me or, um, I don't know, message me if you have any comments uh, or questions. I'm going to put a link to the book, Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents, on my website. So it's wifeotp.com if you want to go check that out. Thanks, everybody, for um, coming back every week. Uh, and. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I hope you enjoy Kathy and Parisa as we talk about living with people who have anxiety. <laughs> I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're avoiding me. Hi, ladies. Hi. Thank you for coming today. I have been so wanting to have this conversation because I uh, live with someone who has a, a lot of anxiety. I live actually with three people who have anxiety. I've talked about their anxiety and stuff before, so I have no problem talking about my people that live with anxiety. You guys don't need to talk about who or how your people have anxiety, because I'm interested in your process with other people's anxiety. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it goes without saying that I would never want to have anxiety. It, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I dabbled. Since yes. people have anxiety, I have <laughs> dabbled in anxiety. Oh, it's not fun. It's not it's fun. fun. No. It's not fun to watch. No. It's, it, I feel so bad when they have anxiety. I would not wish it on anybody. Uh, it's such a suffering. And I feel like their heart must like go through so much more physical stress than mine. 
and how difficult it is on their, you know, physical body, not to mention their emotional, mental state. So I feel like we're probably all on the same page with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> lots of sympathy, lots of empathy. Of course. It's, it's, it's very hard and it's funny. And, and you say you have three people. It bounces in my house too. Mm. So you never know who you're going to get, you know? Right. And so you have to be ready. There's a lot of preparing. Yeah. How do you prepare? Yeah. Um, the biggest thing that happens in my house, honestly, is um, time management, because if we need to leave and go somewhere and there's any sense of um, anxiety from any of my kids, um, there's we're going to be late. And so there's there's a prep that goes back and back and back. And you have to prep almost two days before mm. to know when you know something is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, we had that this weekend um, and we worked on it for about a week. And wow. we got there, which was incredible to watch. Yeah. But it was a, I mean, to leave the house and do something that was challenging took a week of prep. Right. Do you have that too? I do. I feel like there's maybe not so much prep, but there's a lot of, I don't know, maybe it's prep more for me. Yep. Um, there's like a lot of, uh, not even so much talking, prepping them. It's like more for us prepping the environment, like knowing that that particular scenario is going to be challenging. So how do I avoid that? Or how do I create it so that it's not so challenging? Um, I feel like I do a lot of like uh, buffering for people to Mm. make their life easier, which doesn't necessarily make mine easier. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little exhausting. Um, And what's also I find really exhausting is that um, <laughs> when other people don't get on my page, I'm like, how can you not understand that we need to sort of buffer this? Like it, sometimes Stephen gets really frustrated and is like, well, you know, that's not the way life works. Sometimes you just have to go out into the world and do X, Y, or Z. I'm like, yes, that is all true. But if I know that X, Y, or Z is going to result in a massive panic attack, anxiety breakdown, can I just make that not happen? <laughs> <laughs> how do you, the thing is, how do you teach them? Yes, you have to go out in the world. This is the way yeah. the world works. You have to fit into the world, but how do you make that work for you? Right. So I know, that's why we're here, Leanne. Tell me. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. That's why I'm talking to you. Cause I don't know either that I had never consciously thought about the prep leading up to something, but I do try to learn as we go like Isla is has become very um resistant to her orthodonture because she's shown up a couple times and her orthodontist it will have like a major overhaul and not have told her so she thinks she's just going to like get new rubber bands and all of a sudden he's deconstructed and reconstructed her mouth over a two-hour period and we had no idea this was happening so after that's happened a couple times she now is like "Mm, I don't want to go but but has never told us that this was happening we didn't know this was going on in her brain so the teaching of that piece is hard sometimes where she thinks what she's feeling obviously everyone would feel but that's not true. That's not true. You know, what she's feeling may be a great deal more intense than what anybody would anticipate. So if you don't tell me, I can't help you. And if you don't recognize it yourself that, huh, 
I may need to advocate for myself or I may need to push pause or I may need to get some help. That's been a big piece for us. And instead, we'll have a meltdown about the cheese on her cheeseburger where we're like, what is this about? This is not about the cheese on your cheeseburger. And after, you know, digging and digging and digging and digging, we'll find out it's about the orthodontist. <laughs> we're like, these two things could not be farther apart. Help me, meet me somewhere. Help me mm-hmm. help yourself figure out and be able to identify, oh, this is making me anxious. So how do I help myself with that? Instead, she'll just try to barrel through and cope through and it doesn't work. Um, and I don't know about you, but like as a, as a person who didn't grow up feeling anxious myself, mm-hmm. It took me a lot of years to figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah. And I, I, I was so, my, I just come from a family that's pretty matter of fact, especially mm-hmm. my mom. I, I don't want to say she's a suck it up mom, but she kind of is like a, you know, this is what we have to do. Let's do it. Um, and I wasn't understanding what was happening. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. um, figuring out that it's not the cheeseburger. And for my son, it started really early. And then with my daughter, one, my middle daughter, she, uh, it started, you know, in fifth or sixth grade, which is mm-hmm. pretty recently. So I was like, wait, not again with the next kid. <laughs> and then, but at least for her, I knew what was happening with my son. I did not understand for a while mm-hmm. what was happening. Um, mm-hmm. And to answer your other question, we do a success journal. We have done a success journal. So what that, is that? I, ooh, it's exciting. It's to remind, I did it when he was younger. Um, it was to, it's to remind kids of their success because they have this like short-term memory loss. It was so hard. It was so hard. It was so hard. Oh, wait, I did it. And then if you write it down, you can, re, you know, refer to it and be mm-hmm. like, remember, do you remember you, you were able to do this even though you didn't think you could? And right. I used to leave it by Jack's bedside when he was littler and he would flip through it, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's really um, cool. What a great idea. That helped him. And he's yeah. actually, he's actually coming around a little bit with his anxiety. So I can see progress there. And now I'm working on number two and then I'm sure I'll work on number three. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just line up like ducks. One, two, three, line up. one, two, three. Line up. Well, in the loony bin. <laughs> I. I find, okay, now I want to talk about um, the the reason I want to talk about this is I feel like people who live with people with anxiety don't have a voice because the person with anxiety gets the voice because their needs are so loud and so immediate and urgent and filled with panic and fear and that the other person, me in, in this scenario, doesn't get a voice. So I, I do talk to my therapist about what happens for me. And I kept thinking, I wonder what happens for other people. Because again, it goes without saying that we are sympathetic, empathetic, problem solving, want to help, nurturing, caring, uh, spouses, parents, sister-in-law. We are, you know, all that is part of the puzzle, but I think there's another part of the puzzle. And I know for me, it is extremely frustrating to be a super logical, very linear thinker, a problem solver. I mean, you know me, if if a spreadsheet can be written and followed, it will be written and followed. And that's all you kind of need. I don't understand why you need anything else. 
But my whole house doesn't function like that. And sometimes I feel like, what about me? Why can't you meet me where I am? Why am I always having to meet you where you are? Why can't you at some point go, you know what? Mom doesn't have panic. Maybe I should ask her if my panic is justified in this moment. Like someday, because we went to therapy with Georgia for her anxiety and her uh, therapist said, part of managing your anxiety is being able to say to yourself, is this logically uh, right, right? Like panic is there for a reason. It's there to keep you safe. It's there to keep you alive. You need it. You don't want to get rid of it. That's not, that's not the goal. The goal is to be able to tell when it's justifiable and when it's not. So, you know, trying on a new pair of shoes because you don't like breaking shoes in is probably not a justifiable reason to have a full-blown panic attack. So how do you start thinking that way? And I keep thinking, I don't, I don't understand why they don't go, mom doesn't do any of this. Let's ask her opinion, advice. But I am like public enemy number one with panic. And at a certain point, I start going, you know, I'm a smart person. I've worked on myself a lot and I don't have these issues. If I, I would like to think that I would lean on the person who had a strength where I had maybe not so much a strength. Do you feel that way ever? No, it's okay if you don't. <laughs> yeah, I think, no, <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's been a lot, like it's been a very long journey of teaching, you know, and I do feel a little bit like Parisa, like we are, there's a little bit of progress being made. Mm -hmm. oh, like yeah. There's definitely growth happening. Totally, and there's totally. a little bit of like, oh, wait a minute, maybe now is not the time for this panic attack. Mm -hmm. And there are times when you're like, okay, really? I don't, I mean, how can you not see that this is not the time for a panic attack? Right. right. I mean, which of course is a stupid thing to say because they can't control it. Obviously, no, no, no. no. You know, the three of us have a massive amount of patience to deal with it. But at a certain point, it just, I get annoyed and really mm -hmm. angry, like enough with this. Like, how have you not learned it all yet? But of course, you know, it's a journey. It takes a long time. And I guess I see like little bits and pieces of growth, which is helpful. And, and none of it happens in the moment. You, I mean, once the panic yeah. has started, it's, that's it. And that took me a long time because I was like, get it together. <laughs> <laughs> um, but once they are at that elevated heart rate and the flooding happens, it, there's just nothing to be done in that moment. And for me, the hardest thing was to give up the fact that it wasn't going to look the way I thought it was going to look. Right, we right. We weren't going to be on time. We weren't going to go. We weren't going to get something done. And for someone who lives by the spreadsheet too, <laughs> um, that was really hard for me. Mm -hmm. um, and as so there's been a lot of learning. I'm trying to think, do, yeah, I mean, I'm always right. Clearly. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're like, come on guys, we've been through this time and time. Yeah. This is years yeah, yeah. and years and years. And I see glimmers and it's funny how happy you can get with a glimmer at this point, mm -hmm. but in the moment, there's nothing to be done, but to soothe or whatever, whatever each kid needs, mm -hmm. you know, 
let go of whatever it is. Okay, we don't have to do this right now. It's clear that this is not going to happen. Or it's it is hard though. It's it is hard. I think it was harder earlier when I was trying to figure it out. Yes, it was harder earlier. Yes. I don't know that my kid in particular will ever get to the point where they're like, you know what, mom, what do you think about this? Like, you oh, no, mine either. Like, no, ever. no, 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 mine won't either. I, I don't know. I guess, uh, yes. I mean, what you're saying makes complete logical sense, but I don't know that their brain is ever logical enough for that because I don't feel like that's ever going to happen in my lifetime. So No, 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 I don't either. I I feel that way too. Uh, that That's the thing. You know, something my therapist said a long time ago, which I have found so helpful for me, in living with people with anxiety in particular. Wait, I'm going to write this down. Go. Uh, it's really <laughs> good. She said the mark of emotional maturity is being able to hold two emotions at the same time. I feel so bad for you. This stinks for you. How do I help you manage through this? How do I help you learn something new? How do I applaud your progress? And are you fucking kidding me? Are we doing this again? Is this is the 18th time I've had this goddamn conversation with you? Can you not make some progress? Like I have those two Mm -hmm. feelings at the same time. Of course, I'm super sympathetic, but sometimes I go, sometimes I would love for someone to go, huh, you know what, mom? I think you've said that before. (laughs) And I think I might do it this time. Or for my husband to not be like, You have just murdered me by saying you didn't like my shirt. And I'm like, oh, my God, can someone just understand that I'm a good intention person? And I have I have limitations, too. And sometimes I feel very limited in my internal capacity to hold what they need because they need so much sometimes, not all the time. But sometimes when everybody's kind of panicking all at the same time, I'm the only one keeping it together. And sometimes that other, I have this emotion where I'm super sympathetic and I completely know what's going on and I feel terrible and I want to help and soothe. And, you know, and then this other part of me goes again, (laughs) but maybe I'm the only one that feels that way. I, I, everybody I've tried to talk to like that, they're like. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but it's about their, you know, process and journey. And I feel like, am I just an asshole that I go, how about you all fuck off and give me 15 (laughs) minutes to go read a book by myself, which is what I was going to do with my day. And now I have to stop my day for your anxiety, which you refuse to really grow at the rate I need you to. I need. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the longest time, I would never tell anybody that I was struggling in my house. And so now there have been times where if one of them's having a moment um, and I'll say your, what you're going through right now is, 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 is hard for me Mm -hmm. and I need a moment to -hmm. get it back together. So I'll actually say it now that they're older and they can understand, but they don't want to be feeling the way they're feeling. No, no, no. um, Obviously. Um, And my, and Maggie is, um, Maggie's very logical. So Mm -hmm. she can actually, she can sometimes find it outside of her and be, and look at it and kind of take care of herself. She's, Mm -hmm. she's doing what all my books, my stack of anxiety books say, Mm -hmm. you know, talk to it, meditate, 
breathe, do one thing at a time, you know, acknowledge all the things that the anxiety books say. She can sometimes do that. That's but she, but like the way you're talking, you know, when they get surprised, they hate that. I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, we've all been there where you didn't tell me this is what we were doing today. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got to, as a mom, manage how early do I tell them they're getting a shot with, yes. you know, like, do we, are we in the car or are we at the doctors or are we a week before so they can stress about it for an entire week? That was all the learning process too. But I, yes. I think ha- being able to tell them now that I, that where, where my limit is helps. That's and a good point. Sometimes um, I do that. Yeah, I, I have been able to to talk to Bert about it a little bit. He walked in on me in a Zoom session with my therapist talking about my dealing with his anxiety. And um, afterwards, he asked me about it. And I said, well, I, you know, if you if you're willing to listen, this is honestly what happens for me when you have anxiety. And he was like, wow, I, I just had no idea it was that hard. And um, I'm like, yeah, sometimes it is really hard because sometimes you have to fully shut down or I feel like I have to fully shut down my my instinct and voice and step into theirs without that ever being reciprocated. And I don't need it reciprocated all the time, but sometimes it would be nice because I feel like I see you, I hold you, I help you. You don't ever do that for me. You never step in my shoes and go, hmm, maybe this is more than needs to be happening. Or maybe this is really hard for mom. Or maybe this is something I could lean on those things that I learned from my therapist instead of continuing this. Hmm, maybe I should put a little more effort. That I don't feel like that ever happens. And at a certain point, I go, in what world is that? This sounds childish, but in what world is that fair? It's not fair that I reach always and don't feel reached toward. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And you're like, you're in a relationship. And if the relationship is all output on one side and no input, it becomes very hard. And and when you live with someone with with anxiety, they need a lot of output from, from me. And then once they're calmed down, they're like, okay, cool. What are we doing? Are we oh my gosh, how about the part where they bounce back so fast and I want to crawl in my closet and just weep? It, it, it's so hard afterwards that they bounce like that. Yes. I don't, that I still don't understand. I don't either. And it's as if nothing ever happened with yeah. you. Yeah. That's the hard part. Yeah, yes. it is very I have trouble hard. with that. <laughs> I have trouble with that too. That's the part where I go, I don't understand why. There's no like, you know, that must have been really hard. I mean, from the adult in my house. I'm not talking about from the kids. The kid, they're children. Uh, I, I would be a lot to expect my 14-year-old to go, you know, mom, I understand that was really hard for you. No, no. I'm talking about my husband. You know, he's an adult. He's got to, he knows he's having a panic attack. He knows it. He'll say, I am in the middle of a panic attack. And I'll go, okay, buckle your seatbelts. This is what we're going through. But there's never a comeback and like, Hey, babe, that must have been hard for you. And I'm sorry that that was hard for you. Or no, 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 we should move on. And at a certain point, and I've told him, hey, it would be nice. If you would say, hey, babe, <laughs> how was that for you? Or 
I don't know. I don't know. I find a lot of the time that I'm holding everyone else and no one comes back to hold me. Yeah. Does that make sense? And yeah. I might need 10% of what they need. Just yeah, a little bit. Probably wouldn't take too much, right? No, not at all. I don't know. We got to close our emails at the moment. I can't do it. I don't, I've clicked that button many, uh, many times. Hold option and then press. Oh, the that's button. what it is. Option. Sorry, guys. Thank hold you. On. Okay. I've held option and pressed the button. It was me. I kept pushing that button up there and it wasn't working. His computer's not like mine. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I printed out these statistics from um, the ADA, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, ADAA.org. Uh, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S. They affect 40 million adults, 18 and over. It's 18% of our population. It's quite a lot. That's a lot, actually. More than I would have guessed. Me too. They are highly treatable, but only about 36% of those suffering get treatment. Which I think it's crazy. It's so treatable. Super treatable. That's one of the things I kept telling my kids. I'm like, this isn't like a lifelong, right. like you can, you can do something about this. Um, and your brain can change and you can, you can train your brain. Mm-hmm. I said, I know it doesn't feel like that in the moment. You know, the fact of the matter is uh, the more I learn about my myself and my kids and my, our family through therapy, the fact is that their brains are not going to be developed for a long time, right? No, no. Or as, as, as our therapist says, pruned, their brains aren't going to be pruned for right. a very long time. I guess I just try, you know, as a parent, you're always thinking back about your own childhood. I don't remember any of this with mm-hmm. my brothers. I don't remember anxiety being a thing mm-hmm. uh, or talking about anything or my parents having to deal with this kind of stuff. So I always wonder, like, has something changed in the world? Has mm-hmm. parenting changed? Has, um, I don't know, did we just hold it all in when we were kids? Probably a combination of all of those things, right? Yeah, maybe. I had I had anxiety as a kid, but mine ah. was from... Um, mine was from trauma, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was always happened for sleep. It was only associated with sleep. And I know exactly what it was about. And I knew how I managed it. And at a certain age, it stopped because I got old enough to, you know, drink myself into oblivion. And then I didn't have to manage anymore. I didn't have to worry about sleep and I just pass out. And then I had to deal with that. And then I got rid of it. (laughs) So maybe that could be the path for our children. Just learn to drink at 13 until you pass out. I'm kidding. But, but yeah, mine was all about that. That's interesting. You say that because in the, from this website, Anxiety disorders develop from a complex set of risk factors, including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events. Mm-hmm. So my father-in-law has anxiety. Both my sisters-in-law and my husband have anxiety. And now both my kids. So I think mine probably leans more in the genetics pool mm-hmm. than life experiences. Also, part of it, I think, is how, like you're saying, how you were taught to cope. I mean, I definitely grew up in a pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going. If you get hurt, brush your knee off and keep going. You know, my dad friggin', you know, shatters his thumb and then wraps it for a week because he didn't have time to go to the doctor. I mean, that's, you know, 
and then and then builds a fake thumb while his real thumb <laughs> heals so he can continue to work with a fake prosthetic thumb that he's built himself. You know, that so I don't we didn't, you know, I didn't tell anybody I was scared to go to sleep. Right. I just remember like shaking and crying and I was absolutely convinced there was a vampire in my room until I was way too old to think that way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't know. I think how about is there any anxiety in your husband's lineage? Yeah, oh, for sure in our family. Um my husband's one of six. They're, it's scattered in all of, they all have three or four kids and some of those kids have kids. It's scattered all throughout their family yeah. um, from as, as uh, severe as, you know, when you like pull your eyelashes, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and there's me- a lot of the kids, I say they're kids, they're young adults are medicated and having mm-hmm. to deal with a lot. So wow. it's definitely on, on that side of the family. And, and, Weirdly, my my brother, uh, as a kid, I remember always afraid we were going to run out of gas. Always thought we were going to be locked in the mall. <laughs> in the mall. Locked in the mall? <laughs> we went to the mall a lot. Um, always, but why would you be locked in the mall? <laughs> at five or six or seven or whatever. And he was like, oh my gosh, they're going to pull the gate down on the Macy's. We're going to get stuck. We have to get under. Um, and he wouldn't go in the car wash. Oh you know, my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but when nobody ever talked about it, we didn't talk yeah. about it. Yeah. So this poor kid was like, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, we're going to be locked in the ball. I mean, he has grown <laughs> up to be literally one of the smartest, brightest, most talented humans on earth. And mm. I don't think he suffers from anxiety now. Not, not that I can see, or not that we've talked about. Mm. But um, so I guess there was a little bit of childhood anxiety there so we're just hitting our kids at all angles <laughs> right right we got it from both sides well same here I had it definitely uh, my sleep anxiety was terrible and George's anxiety started out as sleep anxiety and I was like oh I know what this is this yeah. is another thing I thought was really interesting is I said that oh I know what this is oh I can help you with this let me tell you what I did and it didn't work didn't work at all so I love the success journal idea that you had that's really really great um, yeah, that's smart. But oh, I remember now what we were talking about before Bert came in. Um, when I when we finally I I tried to help Georgia, like you said with your first one, I was like, I got this. I know exactly what this is. We can. I did this too. I didn't sleep either. I would count up to a hundred and then count backwards down to one over and over again until I fell asleep. Or I would uh, listen to um, classical music. Or I would do this and I would do that and I would do this and none of it was working. And I was getting frustrated with her because I kept thinking, she's just not doing it. She's just stubbornly refusing to take my advice. And this is what I did. So uh, we struggled, she and I, and I feel terrible about it now because when I took her to see a therapist, finally, I said, I give up. I clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. So went to the therapist and the therapist said, oh, her brain doesn't work like your brain. She actually needs the opposite of what you did. You were activating your brain and distracting yourself and then you would fall asleep. Activating her brain makes her more awake. So she has to do things that calm her down. Like she's got to not listen to classical music because that actually does activate your brain. She needs white noise entirely. 
So she, I was like, I read, read a half hour before you go to bed. I'd always fall asleep. She was like, no, for her, that wakes her up. So I was giving her all this advice that was the complete opposite of what actually worked for her. And then I felt terrible because we literally tried for almost a year to figure this out on our own. And I thought, what an asshole I am to think that I knew how to handle this. And then I took Isla. Isla started having sleep anxiety and she needed exactly the same thing my brain needed. Exactly. Read before you go to bed. Her brain needs to be activated and distracted. Her brain is too active. So if you don't. So I spent this time taking what I learned from Georgia and going, so Isla, you need the white noise. You need to calm your brain down. And she's going, it's not working. And I'm like, God damn it. Nothing's working. So go back to the therapist. How am I supposed to know? We go back to the therapist and therapist goes, no, actually, this one is like the first, like what you were trying to do. She could count to 100 and backwards. She could listen to classical music. She should read a book. She should journal. She should do something before she goes to bed to get her off her thoughts. Whereas the other one just has like George's anxiety was more almost like chemical. And Isla's is more from her imagination. Mm-hmm. Like her imagination would run wild and she'd be like, there's a monster under the bed, which is what I did. Whereas Georgia's, Georgia's would wake her up out of a dead sleep in a panic attack, already asleep. No nightmare, no dream. She still does that from time to time where she'll come in my room and say, I, panic attack woke me up. Um, and the first time it happened, it was really scary because she thought she was dying. You know, in the middle of the night, she's like, this is my last day on earth. That's what she kept saying. It's my last day here. I'm dying. This is it. This is it. She was so panicked. Isla has never had any of that. Isla's always been like, so there's a boot by my door. (laughs) And I did not put that boot there. And I'm like, okay, but your room is a disaster. So how do you know you didn't put that boot there? I'm sure, you know, (laughs) she's a hoot. So... My kids are more like Isla. They both had sleep uh, monsters under the bed type of thing till way later than I thought that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, my Maggie still does. She puts her pillows all, she surrounds herself mm-hmm. in a cocoon. Oh, yeah. Isla still does. If those pillows are going to stop the demons, I know. They do. <laughs> they do. Absolutely. <laughs> if it works, I'm good. Yes. <laughs> um, right. And she knows she's not dumb, but you know, like, she knows, but it, it's the only thing that works for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of a crazy thing. It is crazy. Isla's the same way. And she's a, a, a little bit older than Maggie. So Just a little, but yeah. Yeah. So it's still, I think she's probably going to be that way until maybe she gets married. Okay. Fair enough. Sleeps <laughs> with a person. <laughs> because she barricades like the crack between the bed and the wall has a yeah, body so pillow. That's, that's what we have. Yeah. Uh huh. And then there's a pillow at her feet and a pillow on the side, and she sleeps in like almost like a crib. Yep. That's in a bed. And you know, we're moving into our new house, and we built a room for her. And you're like, you can have whatever room you want. Where your room is a brand new addition to the house, so whatever you want. And she was like, I just need my bed to be in a corner. Oh. I was like, Are you sure? Because there's these two nice windows. She's like, Nope. Corner. Bed in the corner. <laughs> and and I need to be able to see both the front door, the closet door, and the bathroom door from this bed. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. 
So your so, girls, your girls, you uh, you didn't notice it until they were a little bit older, or when they were itty bitty. Well, Georgia didn't seem to have. Mm-hmm. Her anxiety seemed pretty regular, normal. You know, she's anxious about going to preschool for the first time. Who wasn't? There was nothing abnormal until she started having sleep trouble. And that started probably fourth grade, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, Isla had sensory processing issues. And I think that sensory processing, from what I've learned about that, um, I think she sees, hears, feels, like texturally feels, smells things a little more intensely than most people. So we spent her early childhood just trying to get shoes on her feet because of the sensory processing. And the, the sensory processing was causing her panic. You know, she would go into such panic about having to wear a shoe that wasn't a flip flop. Um, and you know, when you go to school, you can't wear a flip-flop, you have to wear a shoe. And, um, that was quite challenging for a long time, but I think they are, they're bedmates that for her, the sensory processing and the anxiety go together because I swear to God, that girl could hear a pin drop four blocks away. (laughs) She can smell things before I do by, um, I mean, so I just think her imagination and her senses are heightened. Yeah. So Max is a thousand percent the same way. And his panics still come from sensory processing stuff, Mm -hmm. loud noises, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, if he's too hot, Mm -hmm. if something smells bad, he'll literally leave the house Mm -hmm. if somebody has cheese. He cannot deal with it. Lily, and of course, Lily's favorite food is mac and cheese every day. And he's like, literally goes in the backyard. He can't, he can't, he can't process it. Yeah. So she's yeah. the same. She's the same. We and were so excited forever. Yeah. yeah. She has too. We were so excited. We got tickets to see Queen with, um, oh, yeah. uh, with Adam so funny. Lambert, Lambert, Adam, Adam Lambert. Lambert. We yeah. were super excited. We got like awesome tickets. Bert's agent got them for us. We've never done that. We've never asked for a favor ever. We've just bought tickets. And this one time we couldn't get tickets that were not way in the nosebleed. And we're like, for their first major concert, we should, you know, try. So we got these awesome tickets and Isla was miserable. She was so miserable. It was just too much pyrotechnics so, and yeah. loud and Brian May's guitar. And she was like, no. It's so funny. Lily is like, I want to go to a concert so bad. And Max is like, no fucking way. Like never in my life will you get me to do that. Like he is just like, peace out, man. So yeah, same. Pictures of Jack at the circus. My brother took him to the circus when he was little. The pictures are all him like this on my brother's (laughs) His ears like plugged. He just hated everything about it. And of course, like, Brian and I are like taking them to Disneyland, taking them to like, we're doing all this stuff when they're kids. And it occurs to me now, he would be anxious as a, as a toddler because he didn't want to wait in lines. He didn't want to go on the rides. He didn't want to do any of it. And here we were every weekend, like hitting, you know, Legoland, Universal, SeaWorld or whatever. And he was hating every second of it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I wondered too, like you had said, I don't know what the right answer is. I think we are all doing our best based on what we've tried to learn and the experts we've reached out to and all that good stuff. But I wonder sometimes 
what I wonder sometimes if that boots pull yourself by up by your bootstraps idea isn't also a good idea, you know, and where does that fit into this plan? Um, because it, it doesn't really work. But if that's what generations before us did, and they're pretty strong, resilient people, where does that fit into that plan? <laughs> well, I will say <laughs> um, a, a slight confession here. Um, there is a certain point at which, you know, when Max is in a panic attack and he's spiraling and when he's spiraling, he needs to talk to somebody ad nauseum and you can't really argue or process or counterbalance his, like whatever he's upset about that isn't logical. Like you can't give him the logical part because he's not rational at that Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of patience for a very long time. And then all of a sudden my patience runs out. Um, and I try really hard to go as long as possible, but at some point I sort of lose my shit and I am like, okay, whatever I'm done. I'm not talking to you anymore until you like can allow me to speak basically. Like that's sort of how the argument goes. Like until you're willing to listen to me, like we're done. And this literally is like hours of having a conversation, but I really, I yell and I leave the room. Um, and I have found that it is actually incredibly effective. Really? Like I can't, it has to be after a certain point, he has to sort of go through that spiral. And then it's almost like the spiral is just too much and he can't handle it anymore, but he doesn't know how to get out of it. Mm. And it's not until I like snap and tell him like, you need to get the fuck out of this. I'm done. Um, and he's like, Oh yeah. Like it's almost like that slap in the face that he needs, Mm -hmm. but it has to happen after a certain point. And it's taken me a long time to realize when that point is. And I'm not saying I get it right. And it's not a pretty scene at all in our house when this happens. Mm -hmm. And I feel like an asshole to be like, fuck you. I'm done. Um, that's shitty, but it is, it is effective. Yeah. It works. And then like, literally like 15 minutes later, he'll come back and be like, okay, mom, I'm ready. And you're like, Oh, okay. And then he's like human again. And you're like, okay. Not that he ever says like, mom, you were right. Or thank you. (laughs) But it does happen where I I don't know. I like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not a pretty scene, but that little dose of reality makes a difference for him. If it's timed at the right moment. Right, right. Hard so. to get that wrong though. Cause we, you know, you've, yes. I've had to do it a couple of times too. It's almost yes. as if like the, the, the volume of your voice, cause mm-hmm. I can stay pretty calm for a pretty long time. Yes. But if I just like a one yell loud, whatever, yeah. it almost like shakes them out of it. A little mm-hmm. bit. Yes, exactly. Because it's the last thing you want to do is, right. is holler at them or whatever. And it is generally the last thing you do do, right? Yeah. Like it's, so it is a little bit startling, which I guess is good, but. I mean, at yeah. least you punch them in the face. So I feel. <laughs> True. No one's been spanked. Right. Well, I know what you described with Max is what happens with Bert. Uh-huh. My other kids don't do that, but Bert does. And this is another place where I, being an adult that lives with an adult that has anxiety, get hung up. 
where I go, his anxiety requires that only he speak. So when he is upset, the only voice that exists is his. Mm -hmm. And after a certain point, I start getting resentful of that. And I go, I'm so sorry, but you're in a panic attack telling me things that are not rational and then upset with me when I won't go into agreement with them. So you're tie my hands. All I can say is, you're right. We had this argument last night. He, he, we had this argument last night where he said, I wrote an email to someone asking them for something simple. They emailed me back a question about why I wanted that thing. What an asshole. And I'm like, why are they an asshole for asking you what they need? Oh, so you're taking their side? No, I just don't understand why that person's an asshole. Well, I, I mean, this is a person you've known for 18 years. This is a person who's done everything you've ever asked them to do. This is a person that's giving you no trouble ever. Why suddenly? Because they won't give you, you don't understand anything. You are always on the other person's side. You don't ever take my side. I never do this to you. Every time someone says something and you're upset, I just agree with you. And you don't ever do that for me. I mean, stomping, slamming doors. And I'm like, all I'm saying is we... Why is that person an asshole for not just going, yes, sir, yes, sir, whatever you need? I mean, there may be things you don't understand why she had to ask you what this was for. She was someone um, that has a professional license, that there may be some legal reason she needs to know why you need this thing that you're asking her for, but you're not considering that. You're only going to level 11 because she said, let me ask you a question. And for me to not go, well, what an asshole is so crazy when I don't even understand the situation and the argument went on forever. And at a certain point, I just go, I'm, I'm becoming apathetic where I just go, I, I, all you want from me is you are 100% right. You are 100% when I can't ethically, I can't do that because I don't believe that a lot of the time. I don't believe he was 100% right last night. So I can't say you're 100% right because now I'm out of integrity with myself. So now I don't know what to do. And I can't yell at my husband and go, I'm fucking done with you because that would make it so much worse. <laughs> so I, And then my, he never comes, he sometimes comes back, but he doesn't often come back and say, you know, I might've overreacted in that moment. Uh, I would love to hear your opinion about what I was feeling or about my reaction to that or about what she said or about in a logical that never happens. It's only the issue at hand for him, his side of the story and nothing else. So even if it's an argument between me and him, if I did something that hurt his feelings, that's the only way he can handle it also. And at a certain point, and I know it's about his anxiety. He's a good person. He's not like that. This is about him being in a panic and what he needed from her. He needed urgently. He needed today. And it was yesterday. So he's, and it's really important. Um, So I understood it was, but I just go, oh my God, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to function because I can't really just go. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. 100% right. And then go back later and go, you know, I didn't really believe you were absolutely right. So then 
he wouldn't trust me in the moment. I would think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. If I go back and say, I just said that because you were panicking. So now let me tell you what I really believe. <laughs> I mean, have you tried either of those extremes? You know, I'm just curious. No, I haven't. I, was, I have. Go ahead. I'm just curious. I mean, because I, I wonder it, what would happen if you just yesed him and then came back or if you hollered, you know, or screamed or like, I, I mean, not that you should. I'm not advocating. No, 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 no. I'm just kind of wondering what would happen. Because it's so it's so much trial and error in my house. <laughs> That's a really good question. I think sometimes, because I am a human being, uh-huh. I get hung up on my own stuff, which is I I just don't I just don't lie. Like I would never lie and say, Yeah, you're totally right. I, I, I just would never do that. I grew up with someone who lied to me daily. And so then for me, my my coping mechanism for that was to always be honest of course. and not necessarily honest in a nasty way, but just not to say, I agree with you. I'm on your team. When I go, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> All I really feel is you are out of your mind and right. no. So I don't know maybe how to do that. I, so, I don't know that I would either. I just was wondering because, but it's a good thing to try. Maybe. Okay. I don't want to be held liable. (laughs) No, you wouldn't be held liable. It's a really good perspective to say, Hey, why don't you just go? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like Kathy says, I'm done. And he comes back later and says, now let's talk about that. I wonder if that would be the effect. I don't, I just don't know. It's so interesting, you know, Mm -hmm. what might be going on in his brain and kind of how he has to focus. It it is interesting because I know for Max, obviously he's not an adult, but for him, he just needs me to say something like, mm-hmm. I, he, I don't think he listens to anything I'm saying. Like, oh, I don't know that my words matter. I don't know that he processes it. He just needs a human there to sort of argue with him. I could probably agree with him. And I think he would still argue with me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like he's so wrapped up in that downward spiral that uh, it's almost like I'm not there, but I have to be, have to be there. arguing and mm-hmm. speaking or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know if it's the same where you could just say, start reading your grandma's recipe for pound cake. <laughs> no, I cannot do that. If no, I, if I go like this, <laughs> you're not listening to me. And I'm like, dude, you spend your whole day talking to me like this on this phone. <laughs> I mean, come on. And I pick it up once and I'm just the, the biggest jerk Sorry. on the planet. <laughs> High maintenance, this guy. High maintenance. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, They're all high maintenance. They are. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Everybody's well, anxiety is high maintenance. Everybody's anxiety is high maintenance. So, or at least in the moment, it is. In the moment, it is really high maintenance. And that's something I wanted to, to kind of give a voice to as well, to have anybody who's listening, who lives with someone who has anxiety, to know that there are people who also live with people who have anxiety who don't have anxiety. And it is a puzzle. It is a puzzle, not only for how do you help that person, but for how do you care for yourself within the context of this uh, disorder that's not your own, right? I would never want my kids to go through this without me. I would never want my husband to go through this without me. But it is sometimes hard to care for yourself when this storm is blowing you know? Absolutely. Um, 
that's the piece I think doesn't get enough of a voice, you know, and I think that could go with any type of illness or disorder, not just anxiety, someone who is, you know, has someone who is, who is um, maybe disabled in some way there, there is, of course, you feel terrible for that person and you want to do as much as you can, but how do you balance your self-care with caring for the other person who needs so much? Um, and how do you deal with those feelings after a certain point where you're like, well, what about my feelings? You know, there, that is a good question. What about my feelings when this is happening? Um, how do you take care of them? How do you guys take care of your feelings when you've gone through maybe an episode like you were talking about with Max, where he's just, yeah, 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 yeah. And at a certain point you're like, stop it. How do you take care of yourself in the aftermath of that? Um, that's a good question. I don't really know. Like it's tricky because, you know, sometimes I get support from Steven sometimes not so much. Like it's, he's very interesting. He doesn't have a lot of patience for that. Um, he gets really annoyed when I sort of try to do the buffer and prevent things from happening. He's, you know, he's like, he's got to go out in the world, but in the moment when I lose it, he sort of gets mad at me. Um, like, why don't you have more patience? And it's like, <laughs> I mean, you literally have more patience than anyone. Yeah, um, I agreed. I, you have more patience than anyone I know as well. So <laughs> I don't know. I doesn't feel that way sometimes. So it's really interesting that, and I think that actually comes from Stephen's anxiety. He clearly has anxiety, which is where, you know, my kids get it from, but, um, I think that's part of it. I think he's afraid that maybe someday I'll lose it on him. Maybe to have patience. I'm not sure. Um, but how do you take care? This is the question. Maybe you should answer for yourself. Yeah. How do you take care of yourself when that's over? You know, because sometimes these hullabaloo's Oof. are doozies, and you're left like. I was in an acting class a long time ago. And this acting teacher was talking about relationships and she was saying, you know, there are people in this world who come and just tear things up and just shit all over the place. And it's just crazy. And then they walk away and they're like, they're fine. But you're holding all the stuff that they tore apart and have they have no concern or even awareness that they have caused you any inconvenience. And all of a sudden you're sitting there with like two armloads of like broken furniture and, you know, all this aftermath that they have no awareness of. And I feel like that happens with this extreme anxiety moment that they have no knowledge that there was some collateral damage from that. Not real damage. Nobody's broken or anything, but you know what I mean? It's not for free. It's exhausting. If nothing else, I get well, very exhausted. For me, it's, I feel massively guilty when I reach the breaking point. Well, yeah. I feel, like I feel failed as a parent. I'm not mm-hmm. ever supposed to reach that breaking point, which of course is stupid, but you feel like shit. Like you don't want to yell at your kid, especially in the middle of a panic attack, which they can't control. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. talk about the asshole, like who could be more shitty of a human, right? Mm-hmm. So it is really tough to feel that guilty afterwards. Like that Mm -hmm. is the aftermath where you're just sitting, holding this and 
you know, you can try to justify it a little bit like, okay, he is making progress. These are happening less. There is some more growth or whatever, but yeah, you still feel like shit. I don't know how you reconcile that. Lots of therapy, I guess. Well, I I mean, I I actually wasn't joking when I say I go in my closet because I actually do. That is one thing I, when I have reached the point, it's, it's the only part of our house that I feel is 100% mine, which Mm. is ridiculous, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, and, and I, I, it's the weirdest thing. I've never even talked about it, but I will, if I've hit the point, I'll go sit in my closet, like on the floor. And it only takes like two minutes mm-hmm. and then I can get up and move on. Right. Um, or I'll, 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 or I'll leave the house for a split second, you know, sit in my car, go outside. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. often, but, mm-hmm. but I'll, usually I only need a couple minutes to kind of bounce back. Right. I, when Kathy, when you were talking about hitting your limit, the last huge panic attack that, that Maggie had was on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And it was the weirdest thing. Like, we were, you know, it's the pandemic. We were just going to go around the corner to my sister-in-law's house. And because of the pandemic and whatever, she just didn't have any clothes that fit nothing. And she wanted to kind of dress up for Christmas Eve, even though we were going to be outside in the freezing cold with our winter coats on eating food. And she just, we, she was just sobbing and everybody was already over there. Everybody, our two families were already over there and she just couldn't do it. And she Mm. knew she's just like, I'm ruining Christmas. Like, can you imagine higher stakes for a kid? It's Christmas Eve. It's dinner is on the outside table getting cold. And she couldn't, even though she was going to be wearing a ski jacket, get dressed. It was awful. And somehow in that moment, because it was such high stakes, I didn't lose it. Like it, I had to get her two blocks away to our, you know, to our dinner. And she just, um, we were just, a, you know, 15 minutes late. It took forever, but it was, it felt like forever. And I just remember being like, oh, that's the first time I didn't have to like snap out of it. Right. Um, and I just kept telling her this happens to everybody. It does. She goes, but not on perfect days that are supposed to be perfect. Aww. I'm like, no, 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 no. I Bless said, it hard. especially happens on these kind of days because yeah. there's so much pressure to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my closet is usually where I head. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that is a good, that is a good plan because you're like, yeah. and unplugging. Yeah. And you only need, like you said, you only need a couple I, I minutes. Just, like breathe it out. and and take a second. And then I, it's, it, I mean, if it works, I guess that's why I keep doing it. Mm-hmm. It must work. Yeah. Yeah. That is hard, but that is really good advice because if you think about it, if you can find some go-to and I mean, you can go to a closet in a hotel, you can, and most yeah. hotels have a closet and maybe not all of them, but some of them have walk-in closets. You could go sit in, you could go find a space that's your own that you can kind of, Circle the wagons, get everybody back yeah. uh, in your in your body, get everything back kind of balanced. Um, it's a really good idea. How do you, I don't know. I grew up with no siblings and um, I wasn't allowed to argue with my mom ever. So I didn't really grow up with this kind of like, not even arguing, but kind of um, 
friction or like I, I was an only child. I didn't have anybody that I had to manage myself with. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So when I got married, I actually didn't know how to have an argument because my mom, if she got mad at somebody, she just divorced them. I mean, she's six <laughs> divorces. So she's like, all right, he's out. There was no art. I never saw anybody resolve anything. Right. I never saw anybody um, hold someone else's problem um, because there was no holding anybody else's problem happening in my house. If you had a problem, that's your problem. And I'm leaving. You can take your problem and shove it. That's pretty much the way my mom was. Um, and my dad is the least confrontational human on the planet. He would just go, oh, your problem is the only problem. Let's take care of your problem. I have no problems. And then later he would be like this angry asshole complaining about cheese on a cheeseburger. And we'd be like, what? <laughs> so um, I had to learn how I've, I'm still learning how to be in, I get arguments the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Two people in two different places in an issue dealing with it. And so the thought that you can unplug and come back later never occurred to me ever. Mm -hmm. There was no unplug and come back later. You unplugged and left the building <laughs> and never came back. <laughs> you know, my mom did that to me personally when we had an argument. I, she would leave for a year and not come back. And then I go, oh, okay, I guess I can't have an argument. So I don't really think that way. That's a really, I'm really glad you say that. It sounds pretty simple, but for me personally, that's pretty profound to just go, I'll be right back and I remove yourself. Yeah. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm just, I need a minute. I need a minute to get my head back on. Right. And, and I, I guess I am surprised at how quick, quickly I'm able to turn around, mm -hmm. but sometimes I just need to like, not be, not see anybody, not be near them or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I find it interesting that the three of us, most resilient, most resourceful, <laughs> most even keeled, same person every time you see them, not moody, no anxiety, have married people <laughs> who might be a little more tightly wound. So why do you think that is? Such a good question. That is a good question. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've been, Brian and I've been together for 26 years, 25. Long time. Mm -hmm. A long time. I mean, I, I was 25 years. I was 23. I mean, we've grown together. Mm -hmm. So, and he's, Brian's done, you know, he's gone through all different phases mm -hmm. um, since he was a kid, you know, mm -hmm. since I first met him. So I don't, I, ah, I don't know. <laughs> we just we keep adapting i think um and there have definitely been hard times and there have definitely been easy times um but yeah we we are we're definitely different from each other uh-huh yeah i i, I, I see I, that with both of you actually even somewhat more so i think yeah yeah, I think you're right. I think it is yeah. a little more apparent with both of us yeah. uh, than it is with you, Brian. Brian is a great guy. What a sweet, sweet guy. Of the two of you, he is definitely a little more tightly wound of the two of you. But compared to my husband, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. He's a, no, very different. But 
if you look at the two spouses together, there's one super stable, super resilient, super reliable, even killed spouse. Yeah. And then there's one that may be a little more up and down, right? For sure. Uh, that always but, fascinates me. But maybe that's what, maybe that's what I, I don't know about anyone else, but maybe that's what I need. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like if you marry somebody who's just as even keeled, like what the hell would we do all day? Right. Totally. Like, I don't know. I wonder if like, that's like, that's the balance that you need. Mm-hmm. Like somebody to be a little bit different from you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I don't know. I see that both of you guys. Oh, I would be bored stiff with someone like me. So beautiful. Bored stiff. I know exactly why I'm with Bert. And sometimes that frustrates me. (laughs) Does that make sense? Sometimes I go, what were you thinking? I mean, this is insane. But then when I visualize something different, like someone else's husband who is just even keel, super predictable. I go, forget it. There's no way I would work with that person or any person similar to that person. This is the type of person I would work with anyway. And I get bored so quickly. I get it in my brain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my soul goes, can we have a little space? (laughs) Can I just have a minute? I need to go in my closet. Yeah, <laughs> go to your closet. I'm telling you, come to my closet. I'll come to your closet. That's even better. I'm going to Parisa's closet. I'll be right back. <laughs> I hear it's a portal. Yeah. <laughs> An anxiety, you know, weaving portal. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! Next time I do it, I'm going to just be thinking about you guys. <laughs> you can think I'm in the closet portal. Yeah. I'm in the portal. I'll text right. you. If only there were a door that led to like somewhere else, it'd be a bar, right? right? A, bar. <laughs> a bar would be great. A garden that had beautiful like fountain and flowers where you could sit and read a book. And you know, also it's funny you say garden because that is the actual other thing I do. I mm-hmm. literally will be in the middle of hell in my house. I'm like, I'm going to Armstrong real quick. I need to go plant something. That's, <laughs> that is one. That is my other like go to. I mean, it's ridiculous, but I will go and buy just flats of like color. I'll be like digging furious. <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, look, it's so pretty. <laughs> look what I did. That's so gorgeous and doesn't talk back and can put her shoes on when asked. <laughs> okay. So I need to find maybe more of that in my life. I think that is part of my problem is all I do is work. I just work, 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 work. And then when someone has an issue, I stop and handle the issue and then I go right back to work. I don't give myself the space. I mean, last night I was working till one o'clock in the morning and I worked, my day started at 8 a.m. And I had no breaks all day. Um, So maybe that's part of the problem is that I don't give myself enough space to recover when I have moments with my husband, mostly. He has the worst panic in my house. Georgia... The work she did with her therapist was truly life-changing. For her, it just righted her boat. For whatever reason, her linear thinking part of her brain that's developed more than the other people in my house went, okay, she gave me tools. I can apply the tools and I see that they work. So I'm just going to keep doing that. She's had a couple of those chemical wake you up in the middle of the night panic attacks. 
But other than that, she's been able to manage herself literally since like two visits with a therapist and she's done. Isla, not so much. She's not done. She, I think, has discounted everything the therapist told her and does none of it and just continues to focus on the boot that ended up by the door and she did not put it there. (laughs) And I go, well, then that's your choice. You know, I wonder if part of it too is like, because they're younger, because they're still pruning, because they're still growing, it's mm-hmm. easier. Like Bert's way going to be way harder to change, right? You like think? He's 48 years, he's managed his anxiety by doing whatever, yelling at his wife, right? So, yeah, yeah. and it works for him. Mm-hmm. He, did, he may not see that there's a reason to change. Whereas with the kids, it may be a little bit easier mm-hmm. to get them to understand that they need to cope in a different way. That's very true. And Bert believes his anxiety, the way his brain works, um, is directly related to writing jokes. So he has no incentive to change because he believes. And I agree with him to an extent. I think you can hold two things at the same time. I think you can go, this may be one of those times I should manage myself. And this may be one of those times where I should let myself go so I can come up with this really good joke. But he doesn't believe he can do that. He believes it is all he's an all or nothing guy. I don't know if you've met the guy, <laughs> but he is an all or nothing guy. <laughs> you may not have noticed. But, um, come to my closet and I'll show you his all or nothing hats. <laughs> we have hats everywhere and hats show up almost every day. So, um Anyway, um, you definitely need Priest's closet then. <laughs> oh my God. We need some help. Seriously. Um, let me think. Is there anything else I wanted to ask you guys about how you, any books that have been super helpful, any resources that have been super helpful? Yeah, for sure. The, when the kids were little, I think it's called anxious kids, anxious parents. And that one actually in the back has a puzzle, what looks like a jigsaw puzzle with the seven pieces of anxiety. Wow. And that, for some reason, that one really, I hope that's what it's called, but I think it is anxious kids, anxious parents, or <laughs> the other way around. Okay. Um, uh, and then there's like a companion book to it that is for kids to read. Mm. Like a guide. I don't know how much they read it, but I read it. Um, but it tells you, you know, what to do in the moment and how to, and, and that anxiety is normal and that it's, you know, that's how we save ourselves from being eaten by a lion you know, or whatever. But, you know, putting on socks is really not scary. Shouldn't right. be. Right. Um, yeah. Nor is getting dressed or, you know, talking on the phone with somebody. Right. Or all the things that my kids get nervous about. Right. Um, that one for sure worked uh, when they were in middle school late elementary. Okay. I'll look at that for me for now, for yeah. my kids now, because yeah. I still have some of that stuff. All of it, yeah. yeah. Timeless. I don't think that, that they have to be itty bitties for it to make right. sense. Right. Right. She's still, she's still got it going on in yeah. the anxiety world. And I hate, I hate it for them because I think for me, some of this stuff is so easy and I don't need them to be like me, but I would love to give them a little of my easy. You know, just a little bit of my easy. Can I give you a little easy so that it's not so hard? Of course. Yeah. It makes me feel so bad that some things are just so hard. And um, 
just so interesting when it chooses to be hard, Mm -hmm. you know, right? I mean, like, that is the piece that still throws me Mm -hmm. where I feel like I should know exactly when this panic attack is happening. And then all of a sudden it's like out of the blue. And you're like, wait, what? I'm so good at anticipating. I'm so good at buffering. And then you're like, okay, you suck. You like clearly aren't good at any of this. We not learned Um, anything. Yeah. Like that is the part that still sort of surprises me where I feel like I should be able to predict it. And anxiety doesn't work that way. Like it's stupid for me to think I can predict it, but I'm convinced I'm going to. So, I mean, one, one thing for sure that Brian and I have gotten good at is, uh, a lot of times, you know, anxiety is worse if you're hungry or if you're tired or if your basic needs aren't met. So literally as soon as one of them, cause I'm a talker, I'll talk it to death and I shouldn't, and I should just shut up. And Brian <laughs> knows that. And so Brian will just bring the plate of cheese and apples and crackers to whichever kid is freaking and they can freak while they eat. And then that sometimes actually mm-hmm. stops it. Um, yeah, I have that experience too. Yeah, we have this dance that happens as someone's starting to rev. <laughs> um, and Kira will always go, my youngest will always go, because like you don't know her. Um, <laughs> she will always go, I'm not always hungry when I'm mad. Sometimes I'm just mad. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we'll just eat it. <laughs> Trust me. And then she's fine. Um. I agree with you. I have a lot of lack of sleep, lack of food, lack of water yeah, yes. uh, with Isla. That is that a, a big source. But yeah. I agree with you also in that um, that I, this was something I had thought I needed to talk about. So I'm glad you brought it up, Kathy. I feel like um, I am m- as hard as I try and I, n- I don't get it right. Yeah. I'm never right. I, I, I'm, And not that I need to be right. I want to be helpful. And right. so what worked today doesn't work tomorrow. And it is hard to kind of keep yourself um, positive sometimes where you go, I don't really know what to do because I've tried every trick in this bag and what worked eight times in a row now has not worked at all. Um, can be very frustrating and very... Um, make you feel very helpless. It makes me feel very helpless. Um, in our argument last night, I said to Bert, I feel like I am wrong. Like no matter what I did, 95% of the time. So if I had actually said, you're right, this woman who said no to you was an asshole, that would have been wrong also. Because what you needed in the moment was for me to be wrong. Right. And it sucks to be the person that you yeah. need to be wrong. So I don't feel like I know what to do because then, and I feel that way with my kids too, sometimes where I, you know, if I could say the sky is blue and they would go, how dare you say that? You are so insensitive. I'm like, but okay. Okay. What color is the sky? Is it purple? I totally agree. Why would you lie to me? And I'm like, ah, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That happens to me a lot. Hmm? That happened to you a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I feel better. No matter what you say. And then if you don't say anything, you are the devil. Oh, Why yeah. Aren't you answering me? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Don't you hear me? Um, yeah, I hear you. I have right. nothing to say because no matter what it is, it won't be right. Yeah. Um, so we, I've tried everything to, you know, I mean, sometimes it has to just wind itself out. And that, like you said, doesn't feel fair a lot. It just doesn't, but mm -hmm. I haven't figured it out. Do you think anyone's figured this out? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. I'd love to talk to that person. I would too. <laughs> Me too. Well, what I'm what I'm understanding from our conversation, which I think would be valuable for anybody who's listening, is that we all do know ourselves very well mm -hmm. and have a strong sense of self and truth and integrity and rightness, so to speak. So when you are against a wall of always being wrong, making the wrong choice or choosing the wrong tool or, and that happens so regularly. If you aren't strong in who you are, I would imagine it would be very destructive for you, especially if you're dealing with an adult that has anxiety. It's different when it's your child. When it's an adult, I would imagine, because there's a lot of times where I think, thank God I know who I am. And am very strong in that because if Bert came to me and told me some of these things he says when he's in a panic attack and I actually attached to them, I would be like a driveling mess. Yeah. Um, but I think the other piece of that is not only do you know yourself so well, but we also know the people with anxiety so well. That's like, true. So you can manage the fact that like when he comes to you and says this stuff, it's not necessarily him. It may be the anxiety panic talking, and that's not necessarily who he is as a human. It's who he is in this moment, which is not pretty or fun or pleasant. But so I think it's that being able to hold who you really are and who they really are. And right. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Good point. Because who Bert is, is a really wonderful human being. He's really sweet. He's a great husband. He's a really good dad. He's super talented. He's very inspiring. He's really positive. He wants good for every person on the planet. And then sometimes when he gets in this anxiety, you do, you're right. I, I hold on to who he is, not that moment. Right. And there is a lot of um, forgiveness that takes place in being able to accept that moment when you know this is not really what's going on. This is really about his panic attack and that none of this is not that it's not real. It is very real, but it's maybe not based in reality, but it's very real. And to be able to go, okay, this isn't about me. This is not as nothing to do with me. Right. Is, um, is a definite skill set. I don't think that's a skill set that a lot of people have. Um, well, Cause it's hard. <laughs> it's so yeah. hard. And it took a lot of bruises to get to that understanding, I feel like, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like sometimes you're beat up until you get to this level of understanding. I don't think it was an easy journey necessarily. No. And that's no. why it's different when it's your kids versus your spouse, I think, too, because that's just a different kind of, that's just a different vibe. It is a different vibe. And you know what happened when, like you had said, you and Brian have grown together. Mm -hmm. Bert and I have definitely grown together. We've been together 18 years. And he did not have this anxiety when we were first together. This anxiety showed up after the Travel Channel. 
after he thought he was going to die every day, after he had PTSD from that. Mm-hmm. This is a brand new piece. He had anxiety, but it was really minor. It was like, my shoes are too tight. I got to take my shoes off. Okay. But oh, nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this came. Sense. This is a new addition. Yeah. That yeah. I, I am trying to manage and he's trying to manage too. He's very aware of it, but when he's in the moment, but whatever happened when he got PTSD from travel channel mm-hmm. made things in the realm of anxiety feel life threatening. Yeah. Whereas before they just felt uncomfortable. Right. And now they feel like you are threatening my life. I am going to die. If you don't, if you don't agree with me, I'm, I'm actually dying. <laughs> Because it came from that PTSD piece. I think once he went into that, it just triggered something in his anxiety disorder that was already there and made it much more intense. So pre-travel channel, I don't know that we would, I would have had this conversation because this wasn't apparent, but as, as we've grown together, this is part of our growing now. And this happens just because it happened last night, coincidentally, before we had this scheduled, it doesn't happen crazy often, right. but it happens enough that after a period of time, I'm like, dad, burn it. This is really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's just an interesting journey. Marriage in and of itself is an interesting journey, <laughs> right? That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, right? I hate that the truth. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask, as you were saying that, as we've all grown together, um, I had never had a panic attack until my son was going through some of his hardest stuff as a teen. Um, and then the first one I had, I was like, oh shit, this is terrifying. Mm. This is not a good feeling. Like I, I actually, you know, had to go to a physician at some point to, because I was having such tachycardia, my heart was just racing like crazy. Um, and and it's only happened maybe, I mean, I'm probably having selective memory, but I can remember two panic attacks in the last two years when my when my son was sort of having a really hard time, and I was mm-hmm. so worried about him. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have have you guys had panic attacks? Do you you know does your spouse and your kids' anxiety ever transfer? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a panic attack. I mean, I had a drug induced panic attack, but that's different. Like after Max was born, I was given like some form of codeine and. Oh, that sounds terrifying. It was, it was fucking awful. Like I will never, ever know, but that was because I was on drugs. So that was a little different. Other than that, I don't think I've ever had one. So I can only sort of understand from a, a far away level, you know? Yeah. Same here. The, the, the closest I could come to understanding was the first chemical panic attack Georgia had. I was holding her and her, I could feel her chest. Yeah. I mean, like it was coming out of her chest and that scared me. So it's I thought terrifying. it's terrifying. So yeah. I thought if this is scary for me, I'm not in her body experiencing not only the heart racing, but her eyes were darting. She was like, she was like a cornered animal. And this woke her up in the middle of the night and she had no idea what was happening. And she just kept saying, this is my last day on earth. I'm not waking up in the morning. I'm not waking up in the morning. And I tried to suss out later. Did you have a bad dream? Did you have, 
what happened like at school that day, what, what nothing. So there was nothing really discernible happening. Now that I look back, this was the time period when Bert was in having PTSD. And when someone has PTSD or my experience of that with Bert was um, the most irrational uh, behavior ever. Like, um, like when we went camping that time, we went camping, Bert was having PTSD. He was in the middle of his PTSD like period. And I, he was at the house. We were way down at a lake and I, he cut, came out on the balcony and called me to come talk to him. And I said, one minute I'm, I'm baiting a hook. I'll be right there. And I got upstairs and he was like, how dare you bait a hook in front of me? You just emasculated me in front of everyone. How dare you do that to me? What do you think? I can't bait a hook. And I'm like, you're fucking 50 yards away in a house. I'm on a dock with kids. And I was in the middle of doing that while you were napping. I don't even understand what's happening. That's before he got diagnosed. So that's the kind of stuff that was happening in our house where all of a sudden he'd be like chaotic. It, it, it just didn't make any sense. So I, I wonder if her stuff started when that, uh, I think her stuff started when he was in that and she was having panic because her dad is like reaming out her mom for putting a worm on a hook, you know, which he was genuinely extremely upset about. Like it, we, how long was that argument, Kathy? We never came oh back out of the room. It was, it was hours. And I just was it like, was. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I just baited a hook. That's all I did. I didn't even know you were on the planet, but it then escalated into other things that made absolutely no rational sense. And when people, we've, Bert and I've talked about the PTSD on his podcast before. And when people write emails, they're like, that's exactly what it's like for, for him and for the, the other person is that they're in such like he on some level that triggered some kind of almost life-threatening thing for him. And I mean, the stuff he was saying in that room, he was like, I've married the wrong person. I married the wrong person. I can't believe you would bait a hook. And I'm like, I, you married the wrong person. So I bait a hook. Something is wrong. Like we got to go see a doctor. After that weekend, I made him go see a doctor. And the doctor right. was like, oh, you have PTSD. Because oh. <laughs> he thought he was dying every time he, you know, jumped off a building or he fell off that waterfall and got really injured. And that's, I think, really was the last right. straw. So all this anxiety, this extreme anxiety Bert has when he's upset about something is kind of new. It's post travel channel. Interesting. Isn't it fascinating? It really is fascinating. It's really fascinating. It's, it's interesting how I've adapted too, because I've had to adapt, you know, and to go, he's not that guy. Even when he was having that PTSD, I kept going, who is this person? Who has kidnapped my husband and put this <laughs> lunatic in his place who's like really mad at me for really mad at me for baiting a hook? I just kept trying to find why that would have triggered him, you know? Super emasculating. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's telling me I have to wrap it up. He has a podcast now, too. So we have to wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. Yeah. No, we're we're done. We've talked about a lot, I think, now that he's let both my dogs in. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. 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 anyway, 
Well, I appreciate everything you guys shared. Thank you so much for being willing to talk about it. I don't think we are alone on this planet and being mothers of children and wives of spouses and sisters of siblings um, that that have to deal with it. So I'm definitely going to start going in my closet. Do it. Do it. It's amazing. I'm definitely going to start yelling at my kid when I get to a breaking point. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I recommend that. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. But. No, I think I'm willing to try them both. I'm willing to try them both. See? We'll, have, so. we'll have to get back together and, and see how it works. And see if it works. Right. <laughs> and I'm definitely going to check out this book, Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents, or Anxious Parents, Anxious Kids, something like that. I'll look it up and put it on my website. And anybody who has questions, adaa.org is where I got there's a lot more information than what I read, but I just wanted to have a little bit of fact-based, you know, information before we started to see how many people have anxiety. Can't believe only 36% of people get treatment. Sad. That's really I sad. believe that. that I is believe really it sad. too. Yeah. I believe yeah. it too. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> and I missed you guys. I miss you, Prisa. We should soon, go soon. Soon. Oh, I know. We're almost That's there, right? Someday soon, right? For sure. So Stephen just came home. He got his first shot. I'm so excited. You guys, Brian, Brian got his shot yesterday. He did? Yes. Yes. Amazing. Now, if I can get vaccinated sometime before 2022, when my number comes up, it'll be great. I'm going to be the last human. I know. Are you and I will be like, <laughs> December 31st, we'll like, hey, any shot left for us? I think we, we all have that cockroach gene. We'll be here after a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> Just healthy and strong and resilient. And, right, right. Yep. and patient and calm and can deal with anxiety. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Put it all. Exactly, exactly. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I love you both. Have yeah. a great day. And All I'll right. see you Always soon. Always good talking to you. You yep. too. Always. Thank you, guys. Right. Bye. 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 Bye.